What's up? It's episode 25, Pain Points of Wealth. And the government has announced another stimulus plan, another $1.9 trillion. Now, keep in mind last year, we had $2.2 trillion bestowed upon the economy, along with another $900 billion at the end of the year. It's almost like we're pouring rocket fuel upon rocket fuel. And what this means is the second half of the year is going to be a huge economic boom. Well, we're going to break it down for you this morning. We're going to talk about what that means for you, how to position your portfolio. And if you're getting into that financial red zone, maybe you're five years out from retirement, maybe you're five years within retirement, well, there's things you need to be doing proactively with your financial plan to make sure you're on track. We're going to give you our playbook to make sure you're making all the best decisions when it comes to your finances. We got a great show for you today. Let's hit it. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. You know, Ryan, I've been wondering all week, why are stocks rising? Why is oil going up? Why are commodity prices rising? Why are interest rates going up? But you know what? The 10-year rate is still under 1.2%. I mean, can you imagine locking your money up for 1.2% in a 10-year government bond? You can make that in the stock market in about 15 seconds right now. I was going to say, Bob, you know, my Bitcoin goes up by 1% every minute. So why the heck would I ever buy a 10-year treasury when I'm making all this money speculating in cryptocurrencies? I'm buying the hottest IPOs. I'm buying all these micro caps. I'm crushing it, guys. You know, I'm probably going to resign as president of Payne Capital Management. I'm making so much money. Resign? My goodness, Rye. You're in California. Now you're coming to Florida. When are you actually working? It's a charmed life, Bob. What can I tell you? But, you know, when I'm literally sitting here every day making thousands of dollars on my trades, you know, what else would I do? But I think I'm being facetious here, but I think that's the reality of it right now is there's a lot of people just sitting at home with these stimulus checks, talking about all that money in the system right now, and they're just speculating on parts of the market. And Bob, I mean, you could attest to this. This has to look a lot like what the tech bubble looked like back in 1999, 2000, it feels like the same kind of animal spirits are out. You know, as I talk to different clients or prospective clients, I'm hearing about stocks I've never, ever in my life have ever heard of. I have to look up the symbols. I have to actually find pink sheets again to see if I can find where the stocks are trading. You know, speculation is alive and well right now. Yeah, that's absolutely true, Dad. And I've been getting so many calls this past couple of weeks with people wanting to buy into these like Bitcoin. I had somebody call me the other day. They wanted to buy BlackBerry. I had somebody call me the other day. They wanted to buy like an all megatech cap fund. And their only rationale was that it was up 180% over the past year. Well, 180% is a really good return. But typically, something that goes up 181% doesn't return 180% the next year. We're like buying a house on the beach right now. You know, it's up 180% in the last 12 months. You're going to buy two? Well, here's the problem. And I think this is the misconception. And Bob, you can probably attest to this again when it comes back to 99, 2000. And people are telling me this right now. It's like, well, these companies are great companies. They have so much potential in the future. But I don't think what people realize is if a stock can go up 100%, in some cases, thousands of percent year to date on some of these stocks, which is just mind-blowing. I've never seen it in my career, is they can fall just as hard and even quicker. You could literally wake up and some of these stocks could be down 50, 60, 70, 80% 
And I think a lot of investors right now don't realize that your downside risk is huge and it can come so quickly, you don't even know it hit you. Well, that's where really hard due diligence comes into play because if you go back to 2000, you know, the investors that were speculating on the big tech, mega tech stocks were buying the story, right? They were in love with the story. They were investing in the story. And the story actually was realized, but didn't, wasn't realized for 20 years later. So the stocks over the next 10 years just kept going down where the story stayed the same, except for that wasn't realized until 10, 15 years later. So the problem is, you know, the stories are great right now, but the valuations are just already pricing in what's going to happen 10, 15, 20 years from now. So you're going to see stocks that fall up till like 2040. And then by 2040, you're going to say, oh, yeah, that's exactly what they said was going to happen back in 2021. Yeah. Well, I think it's almost the tale of two stories, Bob, because that's a really sexy, hot story on a lot of these companies. And the irony is the really boring story is the one that's probably going to win. Because right now we talk about all this money in the system. You know, you look at oil prices going through the roof, like oil is all the way back to where it was a year ago after going to a negative <laughs> price. You know, who would have guessed back in April? And, you know, interest rates are starting to go up. And that boring story is, look, the economy again is going to reopen at the second half of the year. The amount of money that's been printed over the course of the last year, well, we're going to see a growth rate in this country that we haven't seen since 1983, guys. And I joked about this earlier this week. It's like, we're going to be partying like it's the 1980s <laughs> come the end of the year. And what that means is we're all going to get out of our houses. We're going to spend a lot of money on old, good old fashioned things like hotels, going on trips, flying on planes, and old school industries benefit from that. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I noticed, guys, is that on average, I probably drive anywhere from twelve to 13,000 miles a year. And this year, I probably only drove about 6,000 miles. So with the economy opening and you know, everything starting to get back in running order, you know, there's a chance that we're going to be driving a lot more. I'm going to be using a lot more gas and putting more miles on my car. So I got to think you know, things like energy, things that really will respond well to the market opening are really going to do well here. Well, perhaps that's why oil went up 9% last week, Chris, and now it's closing in on $60 a barrel. As you said earlier, Rye, that's from a negative $37 a barrel this time last year. Well, there's almost like there's this hidden rotation going on in plain sight, right? Like then we talked about this rotation quite a few months ago on our podcast. We said this is going to happen and it's actually happening. Because if you start looking at returns, technology has actually underperformed the last three months since we had that vaccine news. And all these old school industries are actually starting to perform even better. And I think the greatest irony is, and I kind of love this, is during the Trump administration, which would have been is very anti-new energy sources and very pro-fossil fuels. Well, fossil fuels did horrible during the Trump administration, and all these clean energies just went through the roof. In fact, you know, if you look at the returns on clean energy funds, I mean, it's just been astronomical over the course of the last year or so. The irony is we're having a boon in old school fossil fuels, even though we have an administration that is kind of anti-fossil fuels. I just love the irony of how markets work. Well, here's the thing, right? This great rotation's already begun. It's in plain sight. First of all, what we happened last year was we had a profits recession caused by the government shutting down the economy, right? You can't do any business if your business isn't open. And what's happening now is you're seeing the economy reopen and you're going to see a profits boom, right? You can't repeal the business cycle. It always happens no matter what the government does. So you're going to see big profits coming in for what are more cyclical companies. And you're going to see commodities going up. And you're going to see emerging markets, which are commodity producers, start to outperform. And it's already happened. You look in the last three months, the big return asset class was the S&P 500 because it's tech dominated. 
It's only up 11% in the last three months. Small cap stocks are up almost 30%. Energy's up 50%. Emerging markets are up 20%. So it's already happening in plain sight, just that uh, the media doesn't even recognize it yet. Well, you know what, Dad? A client of mine called me over the weekend, and he's a small business owner. And he told me that he's going to be really starting to expand his business this year. And one of the things he wanted to talk to me about was if he could afford to buy a newer, faster airplane. He's a private pilot, and he flies to all these locations. So you know, I got to think, you know, based on what you're saying is that's really affecting him too. And the fact that, you know, one, he's growing his business and two, he's buying a newer, faster airplane, which is going to use more fuel. You know, Chris, I've never met a client who didn't want a bigger, faster boat or a bigger, faster airplane. So I'm not sure that's really the reason. Well, he's got, I think he has to rationalize it to his spouse. Let's extrapolate that out, that anecdote to like everybody else, right? Everybody else right now who has more money in their pocket. I mean, we're literally sitting on $2.4 trillion worth of cash right now. Consumers are just loaded with cash. And if you've been pent up sitting at home, and I know a lot of us are, a lot of us are going a little crazy right now. We're just dreaming about that day when everyone's vaccinated, we can go out and we can actually live our life again. And it's just going to be, we talk about this on almost every episode, but I don't think people realize the magnitude of just how great those animal spirits are going to be come six months from now. And again, you've got to position your portfolio for that today. Like I'd rather own a hotel stock than the hottest biotech stock, because in reality, that's where the action's going to be. And as an investor, you always want to be investing where the action's going to be, not where it is right now. Well, I think we're already seeing that with the earnings that are coming out. You know, Amazon and Apple both had over $125 billion revenue quarters. I mean, record quarters. Nothing like that's ever been seen in the history of the country. But the stocks are barely moving. Meanwhile, because the time to buy those stocks was a year or two years ago when the economy was shutting down and there was nowhere else to go for growth. Now you're going to see growth all over the world. You're going to see it in emerging markets. You're going to see it in small companies, value companies. You're going to see it in financials. You're going to see it in Europe. And it's already starting to happen. You know, Chris, if you take a look at what happened to emerging markets last week, $5.7 billion flowed into emerging market stocks last week, according to Bank of America. And you know, the thing that people aren't talking about, Dad, is that emerging markets actually recovered a lot more quickly than we did. They got back on their feet a lot more quickly than we did. Nobody's talking about it. None of my clients are really excited about investing in emerging markets. Yeah. And it's almost like the most obvious trade in the world is not so obvious. Let's see. The majority of the populations outside the US, the growth rates in places in Asia are going to be much higher than the US. The stocks overseas trade much cheaper than the US. They pay more cash flow in the form of dividends than the US. The dollar's weakening and their currencies are going up. But, you know, I don't want to own global markets. I just want to own the US. It's crazy. But as an investor, you got to stop thinking about the past. You have to start thinking about the future because it, good investing invariably is always about the future. Hey, I hope you're enjoying our podcast and you find this information useful. Every week, we try to come up with the best, most relevant ideas when it comes to the financial markets, comes to investing, financial planning. And if you really like our content, don't be shy. Bang on that like button, give us some love. And if you really like our show, you want it delivered timely every single week, you can click the subscribe button. And if you have any comments, questions, don't be shy, put them in the comments section. Anything you want us to talk about right here on the podcast, we want to engage with you. Put some comments below and give us some love. Let us know what you're thinking. All right, guys, it's the tipping point. We pinpoint the pain point, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, I thought we could discuss something that we deal with with our clients all the time, and that's being in the financial red zone. And essentially, that's like the 10 years before retirement 
and those first five to 10 years within retirement, where we found is there's a lot of adjustments you have to make to your financial life to make sure you're going to be secure within retirement. Well, you know what, Ryan? I think the most important thing to figure out in that red zone is what you spend. One of the biggest challenges I find is that when I do annual reviews for all of you out there, is that you have no clue how much money you're actually spending. So, you know, it's like the old adage in the IBM computing world garbage in, garbage out. So, if you're not putting in good spending numbers, that's going to throw off your entire projection. So, getting a good handle on what your budget is is really, really important. You know, Chris, calculating your budget is almost as exciting as going on a diet. Yeah, that, that probably sums it up. Having a budget, let's call it what it is. It sucks. <laughs> you know, you have to sit down. You have the pain of looking, no pun intended, on pain of what you actually spent last year and then the shame of the things that you probably shouldn't have spent money on. And I joke, but if you ever went to our offices pre-pandemic, we literally have it set up like a therapist office. We got a big couch, we serve coffee, you know, good espresso, anything to make it more palatable to go through and start looking at what you spent. But at the end of the day, that's like the foundation. You've got to get a grasp of what you're spending. And when you're getting close to retirement, Man, oh man, you've got to hone in on those numbers. You can't wait anymore. Let's face it, guys. There's never a bad time to focus on your goals and in your strategy because you know it's really kind of like blocking and tackling in football. You got to do a little bit every day. You got to do a little bit of savings. You got to contribute to your 401k. You know, you have to really make smart decisions. But when you hit that financial red zone, that last 10 years, you know, it's when most of you really get serious. And it's that first five years in retirement where you really find out if you calculated that budget correctly. Absolutely true, Dad. And you know, most people think that you're going to spend less in retirement. The reality is you're probably going to spend more in the first five years of retirement because your spending habits don't change that much. That's right. You should always plan for more, not less. We're Americans. We love to spend money. Let's not kid ourselves. The other big issue that you've got to address is you don't have the amount of time you used to. You know, There's one thing when you're working, you're putting money away, you get a market crash here and there. So what? You can keep making it up because you're making a lot. You're in your peak earning years. The problem is when you get into that financial red zone, you can't afford to make those same mistakes anymore. If we get another big sell-off in the market or a market crash, well, if your portfolio is not protected, you don't have the same amount of time to make it up again. That's why you have to go from what I call that proverbial wealth accumulation portfolio to what we call wealth distribution portfolio. This is where you really have to readjust your investment plan. Fact of the matter is, as time goes by, as you get older, the risk become greater. It's not the risk of the market. It's the risk of you getting sick, the risk of you being laid off, the risk of your company taking a big hit. All right, These are all things that you can't control. It can happen. And as you do retire, what's happening now is most of us are living longer. We're having you know, medical miracles. Look how fast they came out with these vaccines. Never in the history of the world have we developed vaccines as quickly as this. What other medical miracles are on the horizon and keep you living longer? So what you have to do is you have to run these what-if scenarios with your calculator. First of all, it's easy to run a budget when you have it done for you, isn't it, Chris? Absolutely, Dad. Nothing like sitting down and going through a bunch of spreadsheets to ruin your day. Well, I I like the idea of sitting down with Chris Payne and him doing all the work while I just sit there on that couch and espouse all my problems and issues when it comes to my finances. Like That's the home run right there. Well, that's where the 360 financial portal came in and solved all those problems because now we have it done every day for everybody in real time and we're using technology. That's the key. So you want to be able to be in a position in real time where you can look at where you are, look at where you're going and look at what you're spending without having to make it up as you go along. Yeah. And again, it's so important to know the great thing about that software is look, we can tell you 
do you have enough money to retire on? It's not a hard equation. It's something we can figure out. We can look at all the things that you're going to have to spend money on. I can tell you pretty confidently that you have enough money to retire. The second part of that equation, though, that's even more important is if the market goes down tomorrow, if it does crash, what is your portfolio going to do? And Bob, you talk about this all the time, but it's like risk is only known in hindsight. And what that means is, I don't know if my portfolio is effed up until the market's already gone down. <laughs> you know, It's not like something you can tell me ahead of time. But if we do put your portfolio into the stress test, we can actually break it down and we can look at where those hidden risks are. And I think risk right now is probably greater than ever because the market's going straight up. You're seeing your portfolio go straight up. And what you're not thinking about is, how much more risk do I have today because the markets are going wild? And ironically, this is the time to actually dial back risk, not to add more risk to your portfolio. And that's hard to do with all those animal spirits out there. It is. And that's you go back to what happened in 2000 when the tech wreck occurred is that you would tell someone you were taking more risk, you were too concentrated, too much money in one area. They said, well, how could something that feels so good be so bad? Well, you know, all you have to do is look out two years to see what happens. So it's really about having some certainty in your financial planning, but also recognizing that risk is something that can be attended to, but you have to pay attention. You have to be rational. You have to be realistic. And you have to use history as a guide. Well, the other part of that too is also having a cash flow, having money coming in, even in the relative value of your portfolios down, you know, having enough of interest and dividends coming in as the majority of your return rather than being so dependent on that market growth. Well, that's the other part of it too, right? Because, okay, I know I have that budget now. I sat down with Chris Payne and his voice was so soothing. He had that deep, tame voice and he helped me put together a budget. So the other side of that equation is, okay, so what cash flows are you going to have going in? And Social Security, which you can take like a hundred different ways, is a huge decision to make. So you know, you have to start looking at like how do you optimize Social Security? And the thing about Social Security is it's different for everybody. How you should take Social Security is different than how your brother-in-law or sister-in-law takes Social Security or your neighbor takes Social Security. You know, there's only one way that's best for you. And you've got to figure out how that works along with what other pensions you may have coming in if you're lucky, who has a pension today. And then to your point, Chris, like you can build your portfolio to be more like a pension. Because the last thing I want to do in retirement is wake up every day and worry about is the S&P 500 up? Is the market down? If I know I have a stream of income coming in every year, well, that takes so much pressure off of retirement and makes retirement just a much better place to be. Okay. So guys, you know this week's tipping point is as you get into the financial red zone, you really want to get focused. But to us, it's just simple, like going on a trip, right? It simply said, when you go on a trip, you're focused with the end in mind. You start with the destination. You work backwards to what you have to do to get there. Retirement planning, goal-based planning is the same thing. You've got to work with the end in mind. For us, it's as simple as getting from point A, where you are now financially, to point B, your goals, your dreams, with your values. Bob, Chris, and I now have spent a collective 70 years, that's right, 70 years helping individuals just like you with their planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything we teach you here on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you have over $500,000 saved and you want a more hands-on approach and guidance, you can apply for a free financial review. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan or click the link below. We can put together a full audit of your investments, all the hidden fees you're paying, 
tax optimization. It's not what you make, it's what you take. And a complete savings and income plan to ensure you're on the right path to achieving your financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. Hey, I hope you're really enjoying this podcast today. You find this information extremely valuable. And if you do, please don't be shy. Click on that like button. And if you want this podcast delivered every week in a timely fashion, you can subscribe to our channel. And please don't be shy. Leave a comment below. Let us know what you think. Let us know what topics you want to talk about. We'll address them here right on the show. All right, gentlemen, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, according to analysts at Goldman Sachs Group, the run-up in unprofitable stocks like GameStop only make up about 5% of the overall market. Yeah, right. The market's huge. I mean, you think about there's 10,000 publicly traded companies globally and companies like GameStop, which made all the headlines, you know, eight days ago, the stock was what, 450 and now it's like $40 a share. Since it's gone down that much, doesn't even make up 5% of the overall market now. So these Reddit vigilantes are not necessarily moving the market. And they tried to in silver the other day and it wasn't so successful. So the institutions still rule. Chris, only 55% of global market capitalization is composed of US stocks. Yet US investors tend to put 75% of their stock holdings in US stocks. Go figure. Well, this statistic completely blows me away, right? Considering how many products that we use on a day-to-day basis that are made overseas, you know, coupled with the fact that Emerging markets, international markets are relatively cheap right now. Combined with the fact that we have a weakening dollar, I'd say the opportunity is overseas. It's kind of like being anti-China, but having an iPhone. (laughs) So, Bob, JP Morgan's target date funds, which are very popular in retirement plans, a lot of you may have a target date fund, put one-fifth of their bond exposure into high-yield and emerging market bond funds. What do you feel about that, Bob? Well, first of all, you know, bond funds are weapons of mass financial destruction. We've been in a 40-year bull market in bonds. Interest rates have gone down for 40 years. But guess what, guys? They're rising rapidly right now. And bond funds and bond ETFs are already taking a big hit. It's just a precursor to the bloodbath that's to come. Most of your advisors haven't been around when bonds go down. I've been there. I've seen it. It's ugly. If you have a bond fund, don't walk away. Run. And those target funds, they feel so safe and conservative. But meanwhile, you have junk inside. You really need to know what's in your target fund if you own one in your 401k. Because again, there's a lot of things in there you probably don't want to own. Chris, office buildings across 10 major cities are just 24% filled with workers. In New York, the figure is 14%. And even worse, in San Francisco, the most dire, just 12% of offices right now are occupied. Wow. Well, right. That just tells me that you might need to uh, get up there and renegotiate our lease up in New York and take the proceeds and do a distribution to all your employees. Oh, I'm definitely renegotiating that lease. That landlord should have been a lot nicer the last couple of years. So it's, uh, I guess, revenge of the tenants. I can't wait. Bob, if you invested in all the internet stocks back in 2000 and held them until now, you probably would have matched what the S&P 500 did. However, Along the way, you would have lost 95% of your money. You know, by investing with hindsight is so easy, right? It's like uh, I picked every Super Bowl winner the Monday after the Super Bowl Sunday. I'm 100% in my picks. So simple. Well, you go back and you say, oh, what's the best tech stock of all the internet companies? And you go Amazon, right? Amazon was a huge winner. But, you know, I remember when they went public, the stock dropped 90% the very first year. 
So you put $10 million in, you're down $9 million. Tell me, you're going to stay and wait to see if that recovers? I doubt it. Yeah, again, Bob, that, and that's a stock that fundamentally is a great company, but I think that's the same with a lot of these stocks today that are being bid to the moon right now, is there's no reason they can't go down 95% and they still may be around in 20 years. Chris, gridlock. Democrats have the smallest House majority since 1900, and some 94 senators belong to the party that won their state's presidential contest back in November, a record high level of party allegiance for at least 54 years. Sounds like nothing's going to get done these next four years. Well, the markets sure do love gridlock. That's why I always tell all my clients and all of you out there, you should never run your portfolio based on your political bias. Yes. It's something we've talked about over and over on this show. And it's a great reminder that markets love gridlock. One of the reasons they're going up big right now. Well, great show, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. And if you like our show, please, again, don't be shy. Click on that like button. Subscribe to our channel. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.